0: Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and, Lord, that you would encourage us uh, in the things of the Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So begin an introduction to this little letter of Titus, and uh, introduction would maybe have like three different points, and then we're going to look at at the greeting, uh, which is really kind of fascinating, Paul's greeting. He uses... Um, uh, a little word, kata, uh, a preposition to introduce his thoughts to Titus, which are important that affect his effectiveness in ministry. But three little points uh, kind of give you a feel for it. You you know where Crete is, correct? It's off the coast of Greece. Well, uh, Crete had a population of uh, Jewish Jewish folks there that was pretty established. Matter of fact, in in 141 BC, uh, the population there, the Jewish population there, was very, very strong. And they had an alliance with, with Rome that was very beneficial uh, to the Jewish population there and, and synagogues and, and worship. Well, what came along in Acts chapter 2? Uh, can you tell me what happened in Acts chapter 2? Something happened that was very pivotal. Pentecost happened right so the 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 formation of the church, the Holy Spirit was poured out and who do you think was present at Pentecost? Uh, people from Crete and so they experienced the uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and uh, the folks that were visiting uh, Jerusalem they became some of them became born again and they went back to their hometown right? Went back to their hometown. And what began to develop there was pockets of believers uh, in Jesus Christ as Messiah. Then, uh, so that was in formation. And then you had the Apostle Paul come along. And in Acts chapter 27, Paul goes from uh, leaving on his journey by ship to where? To Rome. And he ends up going through a couple different storms, and the sense is that he eventually ends up in Crete for a visit there, and the work of the Lord uh, uh, progresses. Well, at some point, and this is where the narrative or the historical timeline breaks down. At at some point, Paul goes back to Crete um, because the the church and the believers and the leadership are, it's a mess. And he brings along with him a young guy by the name of Titus. And Titus is someone, is a young man, that is one of Paul's converts. And so here's the scene. Paul goes back to Crete, which has experienced kind of renewal, revival, and uh, the synagogues are being populated by uh, believers in Jesus Christ as Messiah. Uh, Paul comes back to visit those churches that are in Crete and finds out that it's quite a mess. There's a lot of ungodliness. The leadership of the church is in disarray. Um, People are untethered from, say, the scriptures. And uh, Paul's there, and he says, wow, this is quite a mess. I'll see you, Titus. And he leaves Titus there with a bag of goods that that is just it ain't good it ain't it ain't good for those of you that are praying, God please restore us to the first century church. Please stop that prayer. That prayer is will have nothing but painfulness. Uh, and so, but Titus, okay. So, what can we say about Titus now that we've given a little background? Titus is a very dynamic leader. Very different than Timothy. Timothy uh, was a little shy. He was a little resident. Uh, he uh, he was a little resistant to stepping into leadership. Titus is quite the opposite. He's a man of strength. He Matter of fact, he said to Paul, he says, oh, I'm really ready to go back to Corinth. The guy's nuts. So Paul sends him back to Corinth to take the collection for the saints of Jerusalem and to really kind of speak into the church in two areas. And those two areas were uh, godliness based upon the word of God. That's the first thing. And the second is leadership development. And so Titus was, uh, if we could put it this way, without diminishing who Titus is, Titus is Mr. Fix-It. So wherever Paul has a problem, he's sending this young guy into that particular area to speak two things into them, two things specifically, to tether them, tether them back to the word of God and insist that out of that comes godliness. And what Paul says to Timothy is instructed for any area of our life, any area of uh, uh, vocation or any area of calling in our life is that we need those two things to be effective. We need a sure foundation in the Word of God and we need a heart to, to comply or to conform to the Word of God. And we see that in Titus and we see that in the greeting. Paul establishes the authority of the Word of God and and he works towards uh, speaking of the response of the believer to the transformational work of of the Word of God in the believer's life is compliance and conformity to that Word. And when you get that dynamic in place, you get fruitfulness in ministry. Now, there's probably one more thing. There's a lot of things I could share with you. But there's probably one more thing that I'd like to highlight as part of uh, introduction into Titus' ministry is Titus' ministry was, um, oh, how can we put this? Titus' ministry was interim. It was temporary. In other words, Paul came, Titus stayed, and then Titus left to do another ministry, another calling in his life. And so the interim nature of Titus' ministry is important for us to understand because all of life, all of life's tasks are interim. All of life's tasks are temporary. There's there's very little in life that's 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 permanent. Like if you're a married couple, your relationship as husband and wife is a temporary thing. It lasts only as long as you live. And when we're raising children, and I know this is hard for some of you to believe, once and you've been up all night, it's only a temporary assignment. They do grow up. And if you do a good job, they will leave. (laughs) There's parts of us that don't want life to be interim. There's parts of us that don't want life to be temporary. Like when my children were between the ages of 8 and 12, 12, I wanted to freeze-dry them. I wanted to keep them. I wanted to keep them in that place uh, because they were just so sweet. They're sweet towards each other. They're... They're sweet towards their parents, but life, every assignment that we have in life, we're, 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 is an interim assignment. And see, when you grab a hold of that, then you understand why Paul kept on focusing on on the blessed hope, on on heaven. That there's things that were assigned to in this life that. Are, are might be difficult, but they're only preparing us for the glory to come. They're only preparing us to live with the Lord forever. And so Titus is a very dynamic young leader. He has personal initiative and enthusiasm. He's great at administrative skills and leadership development. And yet in the greeting that we read, Paul uh, reminds this young emerging leader of the necessity to to have uh, linked together the Word of God and personal holiness and godliness. And so his structure he uses in our text, we'll read it in a minute, but the structure is that uh, Paul uses the Greek preposition kata. Any English people here that can tell me what a preposition is? I actually had to look it up again myself, but what's a preposition? Oh, well, thank you. We have a, we have a, I, I always have my go-to people. I don't see any here, but go ahead, Kimberly. What is a preposition? It's a little word that shows position like right, it, it. it it helps us to understand the noun doesn't it that's that's to follow so when we look at the greeting paul's going to use this little preposition kata to say according to this noun in accordance with this noun because of this noun and what we see in the greeting here is we see the the symbiotic relationship using big words here do we have any juniors and High school that have taken biology can that can define symbiotic for me? No one brave enough? Any older people that can say what is symbiotic? Not only working together, but each draws their life from each other. So each they they can they exist uh, together, not independently. So a symbiotic relationship is a relationship that. Each part draws life together. Some of you homeschoolers must know this, right? It draws life from each other. And here's the key. Here's the key about Christian development or Christian growth or Christian maturity. There's a symbiotic relationship between the Word of God and your desire for conformity to that Word. In other words, what we have is that mystery between, say, God's sovereignty, God's power, and human free will. And what we see in the greeting here is you see the power and the authority of God's word. But what you see in the Apostle Paul's life is a desire for conformity to that word which produces spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. You can make that operative. Let's move to application. You can move that operative in your life if you'll do some simple things in your life. It's like when you get up in the morning, Before uh, I'll speak into my own life because I can be such a slugger, a sluggo at times. Before you even get out of bed in the morning, you put the word of God in your heart and you pray, Lord, help me. Help me to walk that word out. That's what a symbiotic relationship looks like spiritually. We put the word of God in our heart, which transforms our life, and then we move our heart and our will towards conformity to that word through prayer. And so what you have is you have the use of ordinary means, which accesses you to the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to work that in your life to bring about what godliness or Christlikeness. It's an ordinary thing that's empowered by God, and that's why it's not legalism. Like you can, like if you've uh, come from different streams or different churches or different ways of thinking about theology, if someone begins talking frequently about daily devotions and reading the word and prayer. Oh, don't put that on me. That's just what? That's just you being legalistic. I've got to get that going there. And it's not. It's, it's, It's allowing, it's using ordinary means of grace to produce supernatural change in your life to become more like Christ. Yet it's very on on the surface of it, it's very ordinary. It's about Lord, I'm putting my word in your in my heart. Lord, help me to grow as a believer, help me to become more Christ-like. And so the basis of Titus's leadership is two things. The transforming power of God's word coupled with a a desire for conformity to that word which produces in the life of the believer Christ-like maturity. And that's what Titus is going to call the church to. So if you want to grow as a believer, if you want, well, let me put it in a very self-serving way. Would you like more joy in your life? Yeah. yeah. Ask me that question. Pastor Right? would you like more joy in your life? No, I'm from New England. I want to be miserable. <laughs> yes, I do. And what I found, what I found in my like, travel as a Christian is that I want more joy, and God has made me for joy. God has made me, my heart uh, to, to be joy-filled. Joy-filled, not subject to the circumstances. Of my life, but but joy in the grieving, a sense that God is there, joy in the success of life, knowing that it is He that has brought about favor, joy in the ordinary things of life, like joy in loving my wife, joy in loving my grandbabies more joy in loving their parents. See, God wants us to be containers for his joy. And, and when we put his word in our heart and we desire conformity to that, he changes us from the inside out. Let's read the greeting. There's four things that, uh, four, uh, prepos- one preposition, Qatar used in four different ways that illustrates the dynamic symbiotic relationship between the Word of God, human desire, human conformity to that word and what that what that's going to produce in the life of Titus and, and the early church. Let's read it if you want to take a look at your notes you can follow along with me. but Titus chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. Paul a servant of God and an apostle, of Jesus Christ for the sake of faith. And so what Paul says here in this first little this for, uh, first little part of verse uh, 1 is it's kata pistis and and the language that Paul uses here is for the sake of or according to or in harmony with the faith, not a faith, but the faith. And what he links that with is the is the faith that produces regeneration and he uses the word the elect here he says so paul is servant of god and an apostle of jesus christ for the sake of the faith of god's elect the according to the faith that has brought regeneration our salvation to god's people and the language that he uses here is remarkable is that he is a slave towards what towards the faith, or the word of God. And so Paul's disposition was, 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 I want to conform my life. I want to bring my life in harmony. I want to bring my life in agreement to the word of God so that I can accomplish God's purposes in my life. And to that end, I am a what? Doulas. A slave. Some Of you guys, some of you men and women know know that immediately say, Oh, yeah, I know what it is to be a slave. I'm gonna meet my master on Monday morning. And and that person is just gonna run my life all week. So a slave is a servant of someone else, is under the authority, who potasso, under the authority of their, their overseer. And Paul views that's his attitude towards the word of God is that I'm going to align I'm going to bring myself into alignment with with the Word of God. And as you do that, as you do that as Titus as Titus does that as Paul does that, he becomes fruitful in his life. And so to align oneself with the Word of God is not burdensome. it's not legalism, it's designed to bring, Christian maturity and Christian growth into your life, which results in more what? More joy in your life, A joy, you know. And I want that. Okay. Secondly, when we look at the this the next um, use of the preposition kata, it's epitake, and and what he links he links it in with is that the command according to is to, is to the Word of God. Take a look at it with me. I'm going to look at the second half of one. Their knowledge of the truth, which are, uh, for the sake of the faith of God's elect, and their knowledge of truth, which accords with godliness. And so it's knowledge in accordance with truth, then gets coupled together with human free will and a desire, to conform to that will which produces what in the life of the believer? Produces godliness. Produces Christ-likeness. And so what we have, our expectation in church life is this. Our expectation in most churches is this. You come in. You be reasonably quiet, except when you can clap. Most of you need to take clapping lessons, by the way. Anyway. You come in, you clap with the beat. Two, four, two, one. Clap with the beat. You smell reasonably okay. Smell reasonably okay. You throw a few bucks in the feed bag, and we we patch you a little behind and send you on your way. And you can be in church life for years and years and years and years and years and, years and decades. But Paul's expectation was towards godliness, that there was a growth in the person's life. How we bring about that growth as a church is critical. It is critical that we, we highlight the power of the Word of God to bring transformation coupled with human free will and desire for conformity. That's the place of transformation and spiritual growth, rather than using default behaviors such as guilt and shame. Guilt is, what? what how could we define guilt? Is you did wrong and you're bad. And then shame is what? You are bad. <laughs> and 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 instead of using shame and guilt, to its motivation for spiritual development we we do what Paul does we 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 call attention to the power the transforming power of the word of god coupled with human desire to conform to that which produces which which produces sanctification in the life of the believer. We're transformed by the word of God, and we choose to respond to that word, which produces sanctification, which brings about spiritual growth. So as the expectation here at Calvary Chapel is we want you to grow so you can have more what? So you can have more joy in your life. To go through life year after year after year after year without experiencing the the blessings and the freedom that comes from the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, it becomes too old. That's why people drop out of church life. They drop out because I tried it and it didn't work. But if we're if we're showing and and putting on the plate the power of the word of God, and integrating that into your life and choosing to conform to it, the Word of God produces joy, and maturity, and growth in our life, which brings joy, which brings effectiveness in every area of our life, every area of our life, in our relationship with our with our spouse. That when we uh, apply Philippians chapter two in our life, uh, that that uh, let the same attitude be in us. Uh, that Christ humbled Himself and was obedient even to the cross, and we begin as a say a husband applying that to our life. Then we are we the Word of God activates in our life, and we choose to to obey that. We become a loving and gracious and servant husband to our spouse, and then our spouse experiences what love and acceptance and and joy, and as the as the wife does that, the husband experiences what? Love and acceptance and joy in their life. Take a look, come back at the text with me. in accords with godliness, verse 3, by the command. And at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching, which I have been entrusted by the command according to the command of God our Savior. And so Paul understands that that the way this comes about is through the ordinary means of preaching. That as Paul preaches, as he responds to God's call upon his life, as Paul responds to the command of God upon his life to preach the word of God, we the the congregation experiences transformation and maturity and growth. And preaching is what? Is it is it ordinary or extraordinary? He's like, well, Conway here, it's pretty ordinary. <laughs> <laughs> and that's to be true. That's to be true. Is that as the ordinary, as the word of God is preached, as Christ is exalted, as Christ be- is the focus, and, and Paul says that he is God, are what? as people are called to a savior and not towards a man and not to a denomination, then he, we see the word of God being seated into the hearts of the people and transformed. Last one this morning. Koinus pistus. Some of you can hear that word, koinus. You've heard it lots of times before. You've heard the word, what? Koinonia, which only means common or, or everyday or, or ordinary. And what Paul, the sense of the text here, once again, is, sense, is that there's a single body of truth, a single repository of God's revelation of his character and his nature. And Paul, the sense of the text is a single body of truth which belongs to all believers. That's why we can all open up the Bible, and the Bible can speak to us. That's why that's the meaning of, of one of the texts, is that you have no need of a teacher because the Holy Spirit will teach us, because we all have access to the Scriptures. We all have access to the same body of truth, as Jude, chap- uh, not chapter 3, but Jude verse 3 says. And so once again, Paul calls to mind to the believers that there's a common body of truth, and, and he ends it with calling attention to the grace of God. Take a look at the text with me. It says, To Titus, my true child and a common faith, Grace, which is God's unmerited favor, and peace is what that grace produces in our life, and it comes through a relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so in the opening, say, greeting to the Apostle Paul, uh, to the opening greeting of Paul to his young co-worker Titus, what Paul does is he links together the essential nature of the word of God and, and human desire towards to comply and to compliance with the word of God, which sets, which sets in place the fertile foundation or the fertile environment to produce spiritual growth and, and godliness and Christ-likeness in his life. And so I'll leave you with this. The expectation that I have for you is that you would grow, that you would not be the same uh, a year from now, but a year from now that you would be more kind, more loving, more compassionate, more focused on Christ, that you'd be a better husband, a a, a, a better grandfather, a better wife, a better grandmother, a better auntie or uncle because Christ through his word has transformed you into godliness and into Christ-likeness in your life. And if you keep that as your focus, Lord let your word uh, transform my mind and heart and Lord through prayer, Lord let me bring my heart and my life into compliance with you. If you do that, we are going to be a stronger church. If you do that, we're going to have stronger families. If you do that, we're going to have kiddos that, that long, that will pester you when you want to sleep in and say, it's time for Sunday school. My kids did that to me. And I was the pastor. I don't want to know. <laughs> I'm just joking with you. It's good to be back. Let's... Um, Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's table this morning.